You know what they say, Ben. The bigger the cushion, the sweeter the pushing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I t- <laughs> As a big cushioned lad, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> well, um, today is Monday, which means it's your lucky Monday. <laughs> if, if, if this does not make sense to people, that, that means that they're not the movie geeks that we expect them to be. That's right. Um, the intro that we're listening to is, of course, Big Bottom by Spinal Tap. And last week they announced that a sequel's coming. Wow. Did, did you hear that? No. But the, it... Yeah, Spinal Tap 2, the official sequel, is coming. Rob Reiner, the guys are back, and it's an official... Will Fran Drescher be in it as well? I hope so. I hope so, Billy Crystal. <laughs> I mean, what's Fran Drescher doing? <laughs> what's she doing there? That's true. Uh, yeah, she's waiting for that call for UHF 2. Yeah. <laughs> Dating younger men, that's what she's doing. <laughs> Having a great time. <laughs> Spinal Tap 2, like, we should be more excited for that. I thought I'd, nah. I thought I'd get that out of like, you, but <laughs> clearly not. No. Like a sequel 20 years or 40 years after the original, bound to disappoint. Oh, and Although, yet, and yet. And yet. <laughs> yeah, you're like, but that's, I mean, yeah. No, we'll get to that point. later in the show. I have, that's uh, a good point. I've earmarked a, a point for that. But um, this is Good Movie Monday. Hello, everybody. Uh, the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. My name is Glenn Cochran. With me is Ben Halwig and Samantha Housen. Thanks for hitting play. I hope that you are all ready for... A rockin' episode, so that's what we plan to provide people. Uh, interesting episode last week, Ben. Yeah, it was. <laughs> what, happened what happened there? <laughs> At a great first half. Hang on, I can tie that in with uh, Spinal Tap by saying, hey, what happened? What happened? <laughs> well, unfortunately, uh, the, dog, the, dog, the dog came across all queer, and I had to rush him to the emergency, the emergency room. I thought you were going to say you had to, had to rush into poof poof. <laughs> <laughs> came across queer. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm sorry, that didn't need explain- explaining. I was using the old English uh, meaning for the word queer. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you... Is, is it politically correct to say queer now that's, anyway? That's the term. Is it? Yep. Okay. Like, well, yeah. LGBTQ. The yeah. Q. The Q. But that means that oh, the whole really? word's okay. changed now, right? So the old, the old English way of... No, you can still use both, I'm sure. Oh, really? Oh, it's just okay. it has It's this, the F uh, word you can't use. And the N oh, word. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a whole different thing. <laughs> <laughs> that, what's that joke? If you're wondering which word is worse, it's the one that you can't say when you're saying, say which one's worse. That's the worst word. Uh, no, yeah, no, he just, uh, yeah, he, 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 he had like a... What felt like a fit. He fell up some stairs. He was foaming at the mouth. He was all panicked. Not good. And uh, halfway through, I had to rush him to the... And of course, as is the way, get to the uh, 24-hour vet hospital. I have to wait for two hours to be seen by the vet. By that time, dog is fine. (laughs) More than happy to accept treats. Wants to play with the other dogs in the waiting room who are all clearly injured and not interested in playing. 
he, just, he was just—he really just wanted to go to the vet. He just wanted. He was like, "Fuck this! <laughs> I haven't been out all night. Take me." How lucky were you though that we actually zoomed that episode? Like, that's the first yeah, in ages yeah. that we zoomed. Yeah. 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 You can blame my wife for having COVID. Yeah. Last <laughs> night a DJ saved my dog's life. <laughs> well, last week, last week a DJ saved my dog's life. I'm impressed. By having COVID. You didn't even have time to prep that, so well done, sir. No. And, uh, on the how... fly. They don't call me Ben on the fly, helping for nothing. <laughs> and how good were you, Sam? Like, you completely stepped up and helped me carry the show oh, through to the end. Thank you. So, I, thank you. I tried. And as a special treat, we got her back. Yeah. <laughs> as, as a reward. My reward. <laughs> Actually, I didn't see. Like, I had left. I had like, literally dropped everything to go. And, and you and left the mic running yeah. and everything. Everything. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what was picked up. I forgot to even... even like <laughs> when the call was coming out from the other room, like there's something wrong with the dog. I didn't press the mute button or anything. Yeah, because no, between no. you and me and, and everybody listening, <laughs> we could hear all we of that happening yeah, in the backyard. Yeah. Your dad was in quite a state. He was. Yeah. Yes, poor guy. Not enough. Not enough to put on pants and take the dog to the vet, <laughs> but enough to get me to do it. He's done it to me too. Like I've had it. The first time I had a kidney stone. <laughs> He was he was in bed asleep. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I just had like this intense, horrible pain in my kidneys. My mother had to drive. I was no state to drive. Like I could barely stand. I was close to puking from the pain. My mother had to drive me to the hospital. And at that stage, my mother had been working home for ten for about ten years. Had not driven a car in that entire time. <laughs> was drive like drove me to the hospital at forty k's an hour. And I'm. In, you know, it's, you know when they and you get to the emergency room thing, and they're like, "Oh, so what level of pain are you at?" Like <laughs> one to ten. I'm like, "Oh, 15. <laughs> Me- meanwhile, Dad's still asleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> couldn't give less of a shit. <laughs> As I was saying, I'm pretty excited this week. Our special guest is Alex Proyas, the guy who is probably best known as the director of The Crow and Dark City and iRobot. And this year makes me feel really old because Garage Days is turning twenty. Now, do, you, do you say garage days or garage days? Garage days. Mm. Mm, all right. But I was going to say, I just want to interject. The joke's on dad because when <laughs> he has a heart attack, I'm not going to take him to the hospital. Ben's going to get a house. <laughs> I have no idea how to bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> I hope your dad's listening. He keeps threatening to, and I'm like, oh. As soon as, as soon as you figure out how to bring up the podcast app on your phone, you can listen. <laughs> Until then, you can't. <laughs> you know, I um I remember seeing Garage Days in the cinema, and the fact that it's twenty years old just it feels like yesterday that that happened. And uh, I remember thinking because uh, it was what was the movie that that Pia Pia Miranda is it Pia Miranda? I thought yeah. for a second it's not Pia Miranda. That's the woman who wears the the fruit on her head, but that's Carmen Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're used to but, pee in my pants. Yeah, pee in my pants. Uh, but what was the movie? Because she, it was her follow-up film, right? Like she had just looking had that. For, looking for Ellie Brandy was like a mm. massive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it, like, when I look back on those times now, mm. I think things are a big hit because I, like it was advertised on TV or I heard about it on a, yeah. you know, on a review, yeah. not yeah. knowing that that's just a publicist job and it has Absolutely nothing to do with actual box office yeah, or, know. you know, distribution success. That's true though. Or word of mouth, like people of, yeah. just talking about it. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it was a huge, it was a huge deal. And then Garage Days came out and you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then she didn't she didn't really appear she kind of disappeared no, and the fact she pops up now in like magazines as a mum she does like those mum spreads and things like that it's like, mm. ooh, like that makes me feel yeah. really old I mean I'm the same age as her are we mate, she's probably a couple of years younger but we're in that bracket mate that's even worse that she's a couple of years younger <laughs> <laughs> That's even worse. So we're taking the opportunity uh, to use that movie um, as our cue to talk about band movies. Now, that is to say movies about musical rock bands as opposed to movies that are actually banned. Oh, that's all I've ch- oh, I'm well, just I was going to talk about Bass Meyer for three hours. I was going to say, like, this would have been his opportunity for another <laughs> yeah. bit. For, that, for, for bit. another bit. Because, you know, after last week's minimal list, <laughs> that was uh, quite, a, movies. quite something to listen back to. <laughs> I hope it landed much better uh, on the second listen than it did in the room at the time. So my chat with Alex is going to be coming up a little bit later, but we also have some of that other stuff that we do from the other guys. The Boneheads from America will be up to take uh, take a run at this particular theme. Guillermo Troncoso from Screen Realm is going to hit you up with all of the movie news that's uh, been happening. And in case you've missed it or forgot about it, we're running a competition at the moment. Uh, to win an amazing 4K edition of An American Werewolf in London. Just go to goodmoviemonday.com to enter, and that prize does come to us, courtesy of Dead End DVD. Ben, do you want to give them a plug within 30 seconds or less? Yeah, it's a place that sells DVDs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and their website is deadenddvd.com. Bada bing, bada boom. Yep. <laughs> their imports, they're good. <laughs> <laughs> We've given you all that you need to know. Visit their website. You would be amazed at what they have available to purchase so guys movies about bands there's no shortage of pickings here um when i was trying to choose my recommendations i kind of you know i realized that we actually drop a few of these names quite regularly on the show like these titles we definitely bring up sing street a lot same with me with hardcore logo particularly in the keith days of the show i talked about hardcore logo all the time for some reason don't even know why uh i mentioned the commitments fairly regularly which in my mind is the best band movie ever made i think and at the risk of sounding like old men, um, I reckon the 80s was a banger decade for these band movies, wouldn't you say? I would agree. Yeah, because, you know, my taped off the TV collection that I had at home on VHS had... La Illegally Bamba. taped off TV? And that is funny. I, I, I'm so glad you said that because that's actually what I was going to get to. I had La Bumba on VHS. I had Great Balls of Fire. Both the Eddie and the Cruises. There was nothing more satisfying than that label on a VHS that said Eddie and the Cruises slash, slash Eddie and the Cruises <laughs> 2. Oh, what a double billing that was. But yeah, like the good old days of tape and TV shows off the television, there's always this. Was it a reality or was it an urban legend that it was illegal to do so? Yeah, it was It was one of those things that they would never... like. Everyone like did. One, one the of machine those, has a fucking record. Yeah, one, exactly. of the, one of the rules of a law is that it has to be enforceable. Mm. Or enforced. That was, they never, like, unless they were, I suppose, unless they had busted into your house looking for drugs and they didn't find any. It's like um, George Bush going to Iraq looking for met, met weapons of mass destruction. He goes, well, we didn't find any weapons, but we clearly found copyright infringement because we taped stuff off TV. And you know what I found, like, hilarious, too, is that back in those days, I don't know, if Sam, you're old enough to have remembered doing this, but um, you tape something off the television and, you know, if you really gave a shit about the movie... You would cut those commercials out. You would stand there and wait uh, for the commercial. You'd hit pause. Then yeah. you'd hit record again. But the thing is, in hindsight, would have been better leaving those commercials in because looking back at those, yeah. Yeah. the ads are the best. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, the worst part about that, I, I never did it because I was like, what is the point of recording it if I'm watching it? 
yeah. when it's recording. Yeah. <laughs> you can fast forward the ads. Can, can, yeah. And yeah, you can fast forward. And now looking back, yeah, the best thing about it, not the ads aren't the best thing. The best thing about it is the half an hour of movie that comes on after it oh. that you didn't realize. <laughs> and then you're watching it back going, oh, well, this movie is great. What's this? And then it stops. It and you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. And you could turn you could turn those VHS tapes into like double the length by hitting the, the Oh the long play. The long play. Oh. Yeah. Good days. Like it's nothing like it anymore. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Sorry, Sam, not very inclusive here. No, that's all right. I do remember I like I, I well, I was born in eighty nine. Mm-hmm. So we did have VHS. Ooh. A whole ten years after us. Yeah. And so I do remember I, I did have like the smallest of snippets of of the VHS life. We were old enough to babysit you. <laughs> <laughs> Tragic. <laughs> well, to make I mean, up they would, for... Your uh, parents would never have hired either of us. <laughs> Ever. No, probably So what not, we're going to do no. is we're going to let you go first on the recommendations uh, in a little bit. Yeah. First, um, Jarrett is still away, um, but apparently he phoned something in, so let's take a listen to that. Hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE class. In case you've forgotten, I'm still on holiday, so I'm not going to tell you what's coming out this week on Home Entertainment. I'm going to leave that up to you, but I will give you one piece of advice, and that is that JB Hi-Fi are running a buy one, get one free across their 4K Blu-ray and DVD range right now, and it finishes on May 25th, so there's still time to get in there and grab yourself a bargain. Anyway, that's it for me for now. I'm on holiday, so until sometime in June... Stay physical. Hmm. Jarrett sounds far too relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he asked for a happy ending. I just He's getting a Nauru massage. And if you don't know what that is, Google that not in front of your family and friends. <laughs> but what he didn't do was tell us what's coming out. Um, I haven't planned for this segment, have you? I ha- If by planning, do you mean, did I look up the Easy DVD coming soon website? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> there's actually some good, there's some good shit coming out this week. Such as? Well, I do know. One thing I do know that I really, really want and I will go and buy is the imprint uh, release of Bloody Sunday. Yes. One of my favourite films of all time. And of course, The Warriors, that's... That's you know, the... Yeah, I mean, yeah. The Warriors is the big one. Bloody Sunday, I don't know. I didn't know they made a movie about that uh, U2 song. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and that song features in it. Uh, <laughs> at the end, it's great. It's Paul um, Greengrass and um, it's James Nesbitt, and it's all like a, a shot in real time account of the bloody massacre. Oh. Yeah, in Derry, Ireland. Mm. When the, it's when the uh, the British military came in and opened fire on all the protesters. Uh, yeah, 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 right. Well, the, uh, but apart from those, those are those are pretty big. Mm. There's some anime shit that no one gives a fuck about. Yeah. <laughs> I apologise if no, no, you no, do, if you are one of those people. I think one of the anime, it's either this week or next <laughs> week, that's coming up is great. It's called um, oh, fuck it, Josie the Tiger and the Whale or something like that. That is hell of a I think you're one. confusing it for Josie and the Pussycats, <laughs> the adult anime. <laughs> I had to cover that for work uh, not too long ago, and I'll tell you what, it's really good. No, the the big the big release this week is the After Dark Neo Noir Cinema. Totally, totally. It's coming out. And for one time, I mean, it's got some great titles in it. So this is actually a box set. It's 170 bucks, so it's on the pricey side. Uh, but it's probably, actually, I think it's more expensive than it should be. How many? One, two, three, four. Oh, no, there's five films in it, so mm. it's about right. 
It's, it's they're forcing you to buy five films uh, <laughs> instead of just buying them separately because a couple of these you're like, well, would you? Oh, there's more. There's six films. There you go. It's getting it's better. Actually, it's a great deal. It's six getting disc. better all the time. Six disc. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's getting better. But, so included in this is After Dark, My Sweet from 1990, uh, Mortal Thoughts from 1991, uh, Rush from 91, One False Move from 92, Flesh and Bone from 93, and my favorite, the one I'm most looking forward to getting on Blu-ray is Twilight from 1998, which I have talked about on the show, mm-hmm. I think, a few times. I think it was a recommendation. It was a recommendation. Paul Newman, yep. Gene Hackman, yep. Giancarlo Esposito, it's a great Liev film. Schreiber, Reese Witherspoon's boobies. It's They're no, all in there. Uh, Both of them, the left and the right, make an appearance. <laughs> it's no Nobody's Fool. <laughs> We're talking Paul Newman here. That's, uh, that's uh, uh, what's her name's boobies? Nobody's Fool. <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, how, that's how you measure a Melanie film. Melanie Griffiths. Tell Melanie you. Griffiths boobies. <laughs> well, she's. They've been in many a film. They've. Uh, <sighs> like every schoolboy in America can draw them off by heart. No, that's Sarah <laughs> Jessica Parker from uh, State of Maine. Oh, my goodness. Is that it for the, that was the worst that, segment ever? I was going to say, I hope that guy from, uh, from TikTok uh, does that reaction video to that. <laughs> To go, I know why he wants that movie. She got them big old titties. Like that was the great, was the greatest thing I've ever seen. All right, uh, cue uh, dramatic closer sound effect. All right, Sam, as promised, you get to kick things off. Uh, yeah. Go ahead with your recommendation. What is your first uh, band movie? Um, so I kind of stuffed it up a little bit. <laughs> she gone dumb fucked up. <laughs> well, I yeah. So I I. That's, that's usually his job, I was by the way. Say, we, and we haven't, it's, it's always my job. You're taking my, you're taking my job. But we haven't told each other no. what our movies are this week. It's oh, usually we do, so there's no yeah. double up. So this is going to be an interesting, yeah, like uh, lucky dip esque week. Menage a trois yeah. is what you're thinking. Yeah, or menage oh, yes, menage a trois. Um, yeah. So I okay, I had these two in mind, but. Um, I, I had a pretty like shit week, and so I was like, <laughs> I I, f- I don't feel like watching like really depressing movies. So I was trying to find something that was like not depressing, and um, I came across one which I'll talk about now. Pokemon the movie. <laughs> Pokemon no. the band movie. Ah. Ooh, I, the I band wanna, the yeah, band the Pokemon band movie. One. Oh, I want to see that. <laughs> to the Japanese. It's called Pokemon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The animators got bored and just <laughs> inserted all these hardcore cuts. <laughs> That's when they pushed the thing in. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. What do we got? Um, I I chose a movie. I found it on Prime called CBGB. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's the country western kind of um, version of Studio Fifty Four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, country bluegrass and blues. Yep. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I it's, knew that's what it stood for. Wow. Yeah. It's, well, it's so you. What you've done is you've gone the band's plural route. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I I <laughs> made that assumption after I I watched it. I was like, oh, I could do this because it's bands. Yep. Like plural. Bands. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst word. It sounds too much like band. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So that. Um. Yeah. It's really. It was really good. Were I you aware of CBGBs beforehand? No. Not okay, at all. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I always thought CBGB's was like the Viper Room. It's somewhere where celeb- it was, celebrities go to die. It totally was. It yeah. was the country western version of it. Yeah, it was right. the boot scoot. Yeah, but the it, it really... Um, the Steps version. It <laughs> put uh, a lot of bands... It put a lot of bands on the... the um, on the map. On the map, yeah. And... Um, bands like? Like Blondie. I don't really Nothing know. like a country western Blondie. Um, Blondie, yeah. 
um, in the flesh. The Ramones. Mm-hmm. The Dead Boys. See? <laughs> Look, this I see Ben's face. my <laughs> confusion. Like, what? Because, right, so CBGB stands for Country Western, what is it? Hang on, CB. Um, Country, bluegrass. bluegrass, blues. There you go. And yeah. blues. Oh, and so the, oh, the, I forgot that the Ramones were that famous <laughs> blues no, band. Well, that's what the whole movie's about is um, this guy, Hilly Crystal. Who Billy Billy Crystal. <laughs> you mispronounced mispronounce it. Second second Billy, mention in one episode. Billy Crystal. Hilly Crystal. Um <laughs> he he <laughs> What an unfortunate yeah. I'm sure he existed in entertainment before Billy Crystal. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, well that's every time you hear um Alan Rickman say it, you think he's saying Billy Crystal. <laughs> it sounds exactly it's, the it's same. The what's the best gag in Office Space is there's a character Michael Bolton who said, Oh Michael oh, Bolton yeah, That's a great yeah. name. Well it was yeah, before some right. ass clown started writing songs <laughs> and winning Grammys. <laughs> oh shit. Um but yeah, so it, it it was put across in this movie that it was basically the birth of punk, like where this, <laughs> where this this place was. What? We keep going as far away from country western as we can. Yeah, yeah, because that was the whole thing. He wanted it to be country and bluegrass, and then all Just these bands, bands, all yeah. these <laughs> new bands, and actually. He had 50,000 bands perform there over 33 years. Amazing. Like, that's Jesus. insane. Can you name them? All 50,000 <laughs> bands. <laughs> all of them. This show is going to go for six hours. <laughs> you have had, to name um, them really fast. They had Iggy Pop that used to go there. And, yeah, it was really cool. It's a great film. It's, like, really fast-paced, but the energy is so, like, intoxicating. And is there's a million ne- people in it. Is it on Netflix? Prime. No, it's on Prime. Prime. And, yeah. and Alan Rickman has like an afro, like a, yeah, a perm. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. in the seventies, so yeah, yeah it, like it was really blow. good. Yeah, I've seen I seen it, seen it like a few years ago, and it's good. Yeah, and like because for many years I just associated CBGBs as a name, didn't know what it meant. Yeah, and thought it was like yeah, a Viper Room or comedy a comedy store, you know, kind of place where it's synonymous for just putting on amazing you know, acts. Yeah, yeah. And they, the, I mean, they weren't the, amazing at the time. Yeah, what's the name of the one that, it's not the Viper Room, but there's like the big black corner building that's really famous for bands. It's like a band room in LA. I can't remember the name of it, but anyway, it's the same thing. <laughs> the Viper I, Room's the only one I know. Like, no, this is a movie show. I didn't realise there was a, a prerequisite where you have <laughs> a working knowledge of music. No, that's show. my fault because I kind of, <laughs> I, I, none. I started saying that looking to you thinking you would definitely know the answer and I realised yeah. halfway through that you didn't. No. And so I'm like, In shit. my head, I'm just thinking about Icy Blues, Pump It Hard, Pump It Hard. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the only song I can think of right now. The only, Literally the only song in existence that I can think of is... Well, uh, I think that qualifies. Yeah, like that you, one does. You know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> More to come. Yeah, the next one. <laughs> Stop the show. Um, I was just editing and it occurred to me, I remember the name of that club. It was Whiskey A Go Go. And uh, there we go. I feel better and we can carry on with the show. <laughs> Sorry. All right, Ben, what do you got? All right. Uh, I, I tra- decided to travel way back. You went Jolson story, didn't you? No. Okay. I tra- traveled way back to 2015. Let me, fi- <laughs> let me finish. Don't get too excited. There's no blackface in this film. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, there's, there's a bit of whiteface, maybe. Uh, 2015 to Jeremy Saunier's classic, The Green Room. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I think it's just Green Room. There's no yeah, The. Yeah. The, green, the green Room is a French movie. It's from the movie with the concertine arm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so gross. Is this? Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Have more confidence. Cut him off. No, do yeah. I? I've interrupted you like multiple times. 
No, well, I was going to say, oh, is this the movie? But you're going to talk about it anyway, so. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It is that. It is the movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> correct. <laughs> uh, so, you're directed by uh, Jeremy Sonia, who who made the fantastic Blue Ruin a couple of years prior, which is like is an absolutely amazing room. The Green Room is also great. Green Room is also great. I don't know if... I, th- I think of the two, I probably prefer... Blue Ruin. You called it a, but, a, a uh, great room, by the way. A great room? Yeah. It's a great room. <laughs> it's painted green. But it, but apparently he had, like, and basically the, the plot of this movie is basically this band, this band, uh, this punk band travel, uh, they go on the road to this gig that they're promised. Mm. And when they get there, the guy has double booked and can't give them the gig. Yep. So he's forced them to, uh, he to make it up to them, he's like, hey, my, my uh, cousin... Uh, has a venue and you can go play there. Like mm-hmm. you can just be, make your money, yeah. make your money, and and continue on the tour because these guys like they're siphoning petrol off other cars. <laughs> yeah. so they got no money. They're dirty punks. Yep, uh, they're the hardcore logo type. With the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and the the punks, by the way, are like it's Anton Yelchin. Yep, in one of his last films. Yeah. Oh, I suppose it's not really well. Either. Last handful of films. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's he's still a bit of time before he gets hit by by his own car. Uh, <laughs> Imogen Poots. Uh, so Alia Shawcat's in the band. Joe Cole, Callum Turner, they're the band. Patrick Stewart, uh, Mason Macon or Mason Blair. I actually don't. It's spelled with a C, so I don't know how to how to pronounce <laughs> the, his name. Uh, but he's the star of Blue Ruin. He's also. In, I he's just great. relish the fact that it's you That's having trouble with names. It. Mason, Macon. <laughs> it's always me. I would say Macon because it looks like bacon with an M in the front of it. <laughs> Macon. But uh, yeah, they go to this room and they they perform their song and they, they perform their set in front of this you know room of dirty violent punks, uh, including they start the show off right by because they're all they get there and all of the like they're all like neo Nazi kind of yeah, yeah they're more than they're, they're more they're, than just punks yeah. Yeah, yeah they're kind of yeah they're all skinheads and stuff but the first song they sing is Nazi punks fuck off <laughs> <laughs> but instead of alienating the room it kind of wins them the room yeah because yeah. uh, one particular guy kind of goes it is fucking awesome because that's punk that's punk <laughs> yeah that's punk yeah. uh, and then when their set finishes they go back to the green room just in time to watch someone get killed. And the owners of the club, you know, everything's cool. But then the, there's a band of outsiders have seen this thing that they can't cover up. So they decide... They've got to go. They've got to go. Yeah. yeah. And then it's on. And it becomes like Assault on Precinct 13 kind of thing. Yeah. With this band trapped inside this green room. Mm. Yep. Uh, with all these punks trying to kill them. And uh, the movie apparently... He, like Jeremy Sonia, had it in his head for years. He was obsessed with it. Yeah. And he actually made a short film... Very similar, except it was like all supernatural and weird and kind of kind of hokey, uh, which I would love to see, <laughs> absolutely love to see. But uh, and I, did I mention Patrick Stewart? Patrick Stewart yeah. is the villain. I was about to say, let's talk about the uh, the leader of the skinheads. He's yeah. great, like 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 in Conspiracy Theory before this, <laughs> where he's the villain in that as well. Like he's a great Patrick yeah. Stewart makes a great. Yeah, it's one of those it's one film. of those turnaround roles. Like you know, he's he's been typecast for years and he does it well. And then he just gets that one thing he can relish and sink his teeth into that's so outside yeah. the box. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it is a fantastic film. I didn't realize that I thought he'd, he'd actually gone quiet. Like I haven't heard of what Jeremy Sonia has been doing hmm. in the last mm. couple of years. And he, apparently he's got this Hold the Dark, which is on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Oh. That came out in 2018. I'd never heard of. Mm. Got to go be watching that this weekend. So he didn't change his name to Dallas and make all these other movies. No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if it's uh, spelt the same. I don't okay. know. Saul Saulnia is that how no, Dallas spells his last name? No, I don't think so. No, no, it's not. 
So uh, that was a really bad. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's filming another one as we speak. But that's my that's my awesome. And, and when I say concertina arm, it's got one of the great moments, and we can spoil it because it's not even a spoiler. It's just a great moment in the film where a particular person we won't spoil that element gets his hand chopped at with a machete. Yeah. And he's the machete makes contact every time it never cuts right through. Yeah. And so he's got all these machete cuts that almost go through, so his arm sort of flops yeah. over like a concertina. Yeah. Just the best. There's also a great thing where a dog like rips someone's face off. Yeah. I that was the film that I was going to do when I was oh, like, really? oh, I don't want to be like depressed. Oh, I don't want to be too obvious. That movie, no. <laughs> no, but that movie is a total upper for me. Really? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I, need it. I need it, like. Yeah, no, like because it is just it is energy mm. from start to finish, and you feel good yes, afterwards. You wanted to do Rockstar with Australia's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's her name? She's in Neighbours now. Who's that, what's that woman's name? I don't know, but look, slingshot that package. That's a really bad one. Uh, <laughs> really ruined the. Uh, no, there's. No, hang on, rock stars with uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, Mark yeah, Wahlberg. Then, that's and what's it. the one with the guy from The Office? <laughs> oh, the rocks, the rocker, the, the rocker. Oh, oh, now I know what you're saying. No, and then, but then, now what's the other one? Rock of Ages. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Rock of Ages. I like yeah, that one. Good old Tommy. Tommy Cruise. Yeah, he was uh, good in that actually. And uh, <laughs> who's the Juliana? Oh, no, she's not the girl. Who's the girl? It's not Rock of Ages. God damn it. <laughs> Stupid. Norm- normally you leave me dead air that I can cut, you and can. you've just gone and filled it with that. I filled it. <laughs> um, uh, uh, neighbors. That reminds me, next week we'll have to do indigenous movies because, you know, you've got a good didgeridoo accent there. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I'd be in a lot of trouble. I don't know what movie I would do. What's happening, everybody? It's Guillermo here again from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favorite entertainment website covering all things movies and television. Here, as always, to tell you a little bit about what we've covered on the website in the past week, kicking off with a new Ocean's Eleven film. That's right, yet another one in this franchise. This one starring Margot Robbie. Now, this film hasn't been 100% greenlit as of yet, although it is in active development at Warner Brothers. Jay Roach, known for directing films like Meet the Parents, The Awesome Powers movies, and 2019 film Bombshell, which also starred Margot Robbie, is looking to direct this film. If it does go ahead, Margot Robbie will be among the producers. There's not much to go on regarding the plot, although word is that it could be set in Europe back in the 1960s. I'll keep you up to date as this one comes together. Jamie Foxx, Robert De Niro, Scott Eastwood and John Leguizamo are set to star in an action film called Tin Soldier. This film is going to be directed by Brad Furman, known for The Lincoln Lawyer, City of Lies, The Infiltrator, and he also wrote the screenplay alongside Jess Feuerst. Now the film is going to be telling of Bukushi, Jamie Foxx, who preaches to hundreds of veterans who have been drawn to the promise of protection and purpose under him. Surrounded by his devout military trained followers, he has built an impenetrable fortress and amassed an arsenal of weapons. After several failed attempts, the government, in the form of military operative Emmanuel De Niro, recruits ex-Special Forces asset Nash, Scott Eastwood, who was once a disciple of this preacher. In a statement, Furman described Tin Soldier as an original story about struggle, sacrifice and the power of love and acceptance. He also added that the film would hold awe-inspiring settings and set pieces built for the big screen. And on a project that's been in the works for a bit now, The Fall Guy is going ahead with Ryan Gosling in the lead. Now this is an adaptation of the television series that ran from 1981 to 1986. 
following a Hollywood stuntman who has a side hustle as a bounty hunter. The film is going to be directed by David Leitch, known for Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw, and the upcoming Brad Pitt action film Bullet Train. Now production on the film will be taking place in Australia and it's received financing from the Australian government in order to do so. It is said that the production will employ over 1,000 Australian crew members and 3,000 extras. Like I said, the Fall Guy has been in the works for a bit now. Dwayne Johnson was previously attached to this with MCG Directing. That about does it for me guys, just a quick one this week. As always, ScreenRealm.com for your latest movie and TV news, trailers, release schedules, all that jazz. Thanks so much for having me everybody, catch you next week.
<laughs> Sound of the City by the Village People from Can't Stop the Music. Uh, a movie with the honour of being the very first ever Razzie Award. Oh, oh winner. really? Yeah, the yeah, first right. winner of Worst Film of the Year. But God remember? damn it, that, that <laughs> film, I'll tell you what, like it's tacky and shit and it's bad, but tell me it's not fun. It's, it's fantastic. But <laughs> yes. I was going to say, do you remember... Uh, can't stop the murders. Yeah, I do. The Aussie Coco film. Salvador. <laughs> yeah. Except for some reason, that's it's, it's about ABBA, right? It's an ABBA cover yeah, band. It's not a Village People cover band. For which some is... reason, I don't know why. There's Maybe someone they... in that that I know, and I can't remember who now. I wish I, wish I could mm. recall because they could be listening. And I'll... anyway, moving on. <laughs> Pretend I didn't say that. But I listened to that song in prep for this show, and I had to close my computer and, and watch it. Like, I watched it from start <laughs> to finish, because I was so in the mood for the village people that night. Talk about a total snapshot of the 80s. Yep. Steve Gutenberg on roller skates, not giving a fuck about New York traffic. Like, he does not give a fuck. No. <laughs> he skates right down whatever. And they're fine with it. Yeah. Like, he doesn't get hit by a car or anything. No, because he's that good. Yeah. All right? And then, like, you've got um, Valley Perini nude in a hot tub with eight or six blokes, and then you've got but they're a the village people, so don't worry about it. And you've got a locker room full of soapy, sudded dicks, and they don't cut that shit out. Like first, you're like they're going to use the suds really carefully here to place yeah. over. No, no, there's massive just... dongs everywhere. <laughs> Sudsy dicks. Yep. And um, fuck, I just love it, man. I watched it. I'm like, I want to watch it again. Who doesn't love a good and, sudsy dick? And <laughs> Mr. Bruce Jenner is in there with the most ironic dialogue I've ever heard in my life. Because he's really homophobic. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And he, he starts going on about, like, I don't like change, and, you know, why can't people just be normal? <laughs> oh, God. Oops. He does have a, an arc, and he comes around. Right. He's, he's, he, he may as well be a village person by the end of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, so, I mean, I've given that, that film enough attention that we may as well call that a consideration. So that's yeah. going on the letterbox, Ben, because they are a band. And uh, kind of, they're, they're a boy band. They're also a boy band. They're the original boy band. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. So I mentioned at the top of the show that um, Garage Days is turning 20. Uh, let's lead into the Alex Proyas uh, conversation, a little bit of backstory on that. So it's about a, a grungy Sydney band going nowhere. And this was Alex Proyas' fourth movie and a really unexpected one, I reckon, because he'd previously made Spirits of the Air, The Crow and Dark City. And then suddenly he's like back in Australia making a low budget film that's an upper and it's like just about a, a nobody teens? band. Yeah, that's Dirty right. teens. <laughs> and not many people talk about this movie. So I just thought, fuck it. That's a good excuse. 20th anniversary. Let's get in touch with Alex. And he was responsive and he was happy to talk about it. But um, to give it a little bit of context as well in the conversation, he's got a new thing on the scene at the moment called Vidiverse, which is an alternative streaming platform where he sort of showcases a lot of short films that are very, I guess... Proyas centric, like they have that kind of you know science fictiony. I was gonna say what, what you literally just said. He's made Garage Days. <laughs> so what does that mean? What does Proyas centric mean? Like, but if you look at his there's, overall, there's, like, <laughs> but, there's some dark sci-fi <laughs> and some feel-good rom-coms. But I also said the Garage Days sticks out like it. a sore thumb as far as his work goes, yeah. and like you know most of his work is even though. You watch Garage Days, there's a lot of Alex Proyas things in it, like a lot of, you know, design and, and like the final moment particularly, you know, where they all come out of the room. And that scene where Pia Miranda wakes up in a bathtub <laughs> not remembering where she is and her liver is missing. Although two of her, her kidneys have been cut out. Just as a... No, I'm sure that's in the director's Because it's, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. That's all right. <laughs> and if you're a rock and roll star, you usually lose a liver anyway, so... Yeah. You know. Anyway, Vidiverse is the platform he's got, and he does showcase a lot of us shorter films that are very, you know, 
in the Alex Proyas kind of world. Um, particularly, he has one of his own in there, which is uh, a film he made that takes place inside the Dark City universe. Oh, cool. So there's some context because he talks about that. Um, and what else is there to say about it? Uh, not a lot more. Have some Keiju beer first. Sit back and let's talk Garage Days. Good Movie Monday is made possible with help from Kaiju Beer. Unashamedly intense Australian craft beer. G'day, Alex. I am thrilled to be chatting with you today, mate. Welcome to Good Movie Monday. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Now, look, we're on, on this week's show, we're talking about movies you know, featuring rock bands and... It's been 20 years since the release of Garage Days. Let's chat about that for a moment. Like, after all these years, like, it still feels like a really personal film. Was that a personal film for you? Yeah, well, I've made a few films about rock bands. Um, uh, I'm, I, the Crow had a rock band in it as well. And, and look, music is a really important thing in films, I think. Um, so I always try and find a... You know, a lot, of, a lot of filmmakers try and find writers to be their protagonists. I've never been able to work out why. A lot of the time it's based on stories that are written by a writer, obviously. So they use the, they use the same protagonist. But I figure, you know, I don't want to make films about filmmakers. Filmmakers are kind of dull. Rock stars are far more interesting. I've worked with a few real ones too over the years, having made music videos. And, uh, and yeah, so I just, I always try and put a musician in there somewhere and, and, um, Rockstar oft, often wins the uh, wins the battle, you know. Garage Days is loosely based on my own past. I was never a rock star. I wasn't even a failed rock star. I, I, I lasted in the in the on the you know behind a microphone and a synthesizer for all of a few months. I got together with a bunch of people because that's the sort of thing you did in those days. Is we're talking like very early eighties now. You know, everyone wanted to be in a band, so. I was already a filmmaker, so we started mucking around and wrote some songs and played a couple of gigs as well, and we were absolutely woeful. And so I ended up throwing that career away, but it was the inspiration for for Garage Days in, in many ways, you know. I was going to say, please tell me you weren't the uh, the manager turned roadie <laughs> in real life. No, so, no. so, like, coming off the back of, you know, The Crow and Dark City, I think it was a from my point of view, a pretty ballsy move to make a small comedy about a Sydney garage band trying to coexist, you know, amongst the rise of pokey machines. Was there resistance from people when you tried to, you know, initiate it? No, no not really. Um, I mean, I, it came out as partly out of necessity because I had to do a lower budget film. You know, Dark City didn't do very well and you're only, you know, The Crow had done incredibly well, of course. Dark City didn't do well at the box office initially. It's done well over the years. But at the time, I had to, you know, come up with a, a lower budget film. So Garage Day sort of fitted that niche. You know, there was some uh, resistance. There was some lack of acceptance of the film when it was done, though, uh, when it was made, because um, it was a light, happy film, essentially. I mean, there's a few dark elements in there, I suppose. But it's it's fun. It's a comedy, you know, a romantic comedy, for God's sake, you know. And um, a lot of people had already thought I was the, you know, the gothic, dark gothic guy, you know, and so they were less uh, willing to accept that on its own terms, you know. I think if someone else had made the film, it may have done better, but I think people went in expecting a deep and meaningful sort of expose of the rock world or something, and when they got this kind of frothy comedy, they didn't know what to, to make of it, you know. 
How did um how did you go though like in terms of it being a very uniquely Australian particularly Sydney kind of film do you think it ever stood a chance you know with the international audience I think it did I mean it was kind of weird because um I tried to it was financed by Fox Searchlight out of the states mm. um uh and you know they were very I was very they were they were after me for a lot of projects and I ended up doing iRobot was my next film with 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 Fox. I was developing a lot of stuff with them at the time. So they wanted to encourage me and they just, you know, they flicked me a few mil, which wasn't much for them at all to make to make garage days, you know. Um, and um, you know, it, it's 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 kind of odd the way it got made. Um, it came it came together very, very simply. They didn't want, they didn't need stars in the in the film I mean none of the actors meant anything outside of Australia you know um Kit Gurry and um and Pia Miranda had been successful in Ali Brandy but you know stars don't drive Aussie movies and they, no one knew who they were overseas you know so it, it came together in a really unusual fashion and then I tried to um explain to the studio that they really should Released the film in the U.S. first. It, it's uh, Sundance uh, took an interest in it and wanted to wanted to premiere it there, which was great, and it would have been a great sort of kickoff of the film. But the studio insisted on releasing it here in Australia first, and I, and I was trying to explain to them that because it's me doing a lower budget movie and I already had a pretty big profile in Australia, it was going to get kind of mauled by people because there's a bit of a tall poppy syndrome that to, to this goes on to this day. And it, sure enough, it's exactly what happened. You know, Australian movies were received so much better in those days if they'd had some level of success overseas. So yeah. I wanted to give it that chance to kind of justify its potential success in Australia because that's kind of the way the media were in Australia then. And I think to a certain extent, they still are. You know, they ignore, you know we ignore our local talents and our local... Uh, filmmakers and local films here until some schmuck overseas says they're okay, you know. Um, so the studio didn't didn't understand that mentality because they weren't Australian, um, even though they were owned by a pretty famous Australian at the time. It didn't really filter down to the to the lower echelons of the studio, and so they insisted to release it in in in, the, in Australia first and. I think that really hurt hurt the project, hurt the film, quite frankly. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting that you say that whole tall poppy syndrome thing because I feel like Aussie films quite often, more often than not, import you know American or British talent like fairly high profilers, and then when they star in these films, then they get savage for taking the jobs of Australians. You can never win. There's never really a balance. It's just an odd no, thing that our no. industry does. And, and of course, we have to do that now because it's. Uh, you know, that's the way films get financed. They have to be anointed by by a name. Yeah. Yep. Well, I hope this question doesn't come off, you know, insulting because it's not intended that way. But I'm wondering, have you ever considered Garage Days for like a stage show? Because it seems to me the perfect fit for one. Um, no, it's not insulting at all. Uh, and uh, no, I've never really considered it. Weirdly, my first feature... Uh, Spirits of the Air almost had a moment where we were going to turn it into a into a stage show, um, and it was going to be. I, I wouldn't have called it a musical, but there were going to be some some songs in there, some some bits of music in there. Um, but no, Garage Days, I've never really considered. It. I mean, you you sort of need the the 
the success behind it to really justify that. You know, um, weirdly, stage shows can, um, you know, they can make if they if they do well, they can make much more money than films could ever make. Mm. Um, but they sort of have to come from some initial success if they're going to come from a film, you know. But, but you know, it's an idea. Maybe I should, <laughs> should consider it. You know. I think it would be a good one. Um, look, I want to want to now skip forward twenty years, like as if we can just do that. But um, if I can just maybe stop at two thousand and nine, just for one moment, because I want to thank you for making Knowing, because that's a film that I return to so regularly. I love it; it's a fantastic movie. So oh, thanks for saying so. Yes, but of course, right now you're doing something completely radical and exciting. Um, can you like tell our followers what Vidiverse is and like explain sort of how it works? Yeah, well, look, you know, this has come out of my own frustrations with getting films to an audience, you know. It's becoming harder and harder to make original uh, content um, unless it's a franchise or a sequel or a remake or whatever, and it's really hard to get them into the theatre. So I thought, <clears throat> you know, streaming is the answer in many ways for independent filmmakers like me and, and many others, of course. Um, so we've started up this... Um, and, you know, Netflix was the sort of great, great promise, had great promise when it first started, but more and more it's becoming very commercialised and it's not really supporting the kind of, you know, cutting-edge, cool, original content that they were first doing when they first started, you know, the danger of becoming probably more su overly successful in many ways, you know. So I, I thought there's a, there's a place for something unique and new and so... We've started this project called Vidiverse. Um, it's a streaming platform. Um, and initially, it's to showcase uh, really cool, uh, independently produced, uh, often for the, on the smell of an oily rag, short films from around the world, stuff that basically is submitted to us. I, I watch everything. I've watched hundreds of short films in the last few months. And I've selected, like, the cream of the crop uh, so far, the, the, the platform has, I think, around 70 short films. Um, one of them is uh, my own film, which we're calling our first Vidiverse original, just because you can't see it anywhere else. It's a 20-minute film called Mask of the Evil Apparition, which um, is getting a very good reception. It got great response around the festival circuit, and now it's getting great responses from the, from the, the, the platform, from Vidiverse. Um, and, you know, look, touch wood, it seems to be do going really well. We've had an amazing response to it. And I think it's because it's kind of a unique idea and it's stuff that I, you know, I put my, my guarantee stamp of approval on there saying this is not a bunch of random shorts. It's stuff that I think is really cool and often made to, a, to an incredibly high standard. You know, I'm, I'm actually kind of envious of of a lot of the work that's on the platform. I go, I, I don't know how these filmmakers have managed to achieve the level of production value that they have often, as I say, for very little to no budget. And, um, you know, it's a fabulous thing to, to see. So I'm trying to encourage people to subscribe or at the very least watch some of the films that are on there and um, support indie filmmaking you know? yeah i completely endorse it because like I, i've got a subscription and i've um i've watched your film um which i wanted to quickly talk about because fans of dark city will be thrilled to know that you go back into that kind of universe i, I guess you could say um do you have more stories from dark city to be told yeah i do um look weirdly enough this and this is not really related to Vidiverse at the moment but 
I'm actually developing a TV series um, of Dark City right now. It's Amazing. one of the projects that we're working on. So we, we're not greenlit yet, but we're, but it is in in the early stages of development right now. So you know, Touchwood. Hopefully, that will that will come to the fore. You know, look, I, I'm I'm embracing my 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 dark side. Let's say. Um, I mean, it's the stuff that I, I can't easily. I can't easily tell, particularly in the, this current climate of filmmaking. You know, Dark City is something that can hopefully be made because it's based on an existing thing, an existing IP. You know, um, so it's not like I'm. You know, I don't think if I was in if I was coming up with Dark City today, I'd ever be able to get the thing made. But this has some veracity to it, based on the fact that the studio who would be making the the um, the series have had some financial gain, and they can see that there is a market for more Dark City. You know, um, but for me to be able to continue to do the cool original stuff and I get excited about doing stuff that's completely fresh you know mm. and also has maybe a dark a dark edge to it it's really really hard right now so vidiverse is uh one of my uh one of the multi-pronged uh, approaches that I have to being able to completely independently make films that I have utter control of you know um uh, I mean, Francis Ford Coppola, for God's sake, has just announced he's going to spend $120 million of his own money to make a film that he's been trying to get financed for years and no one's wanted to make. And this is Francis Coppola, you know. Yeah. I mean, for God's yeah. sake, none of us have a hope in, in hell, you know. Um, so I'm trying to do my own, my, my humble, much less expensive version of that at the moment <laughs> well look i'm i'm really excited for it to be honest with you not just not just blowing smoke up your ass like I, I did grab a subscription and scrolling through the films you've got up there already are really exciting and um i'm just looking forward to actually diving into a lot of them um and look this barely does it any justice because we're just about out of time and i do have to wrap it up but yeah very very cool platform and i you know i encourage everyone to get along and um you've you've really excited me with this news of um, a potential tv series as well Great, fantastic. Well, lovely talking to you. Thanks, thanks very much. Lame ass opening for Bonehead Weekly Fun Size about band movies. That was me playing my drums. You're really? going to spend this whole time talking about the Glenn Miller story with Jimmy Stewart, aren't you? I actually kind of like that movie, but yeah, no, I'm not going to. But Pennsylvania six five now. So when we were in high school and we all three were in cover bands because we were really popular and played musical instruments. Played saxophone for three weeks. A band teacher called me Porky because I blew out my cheeks and he stamped on my toe because I couldn't keep in, in tune with everybody else. My first one right up is actually a movie I watched as a kid. And I know this is kind of an, one of those American favorites. And it, it ends with the day the music died. I love the Buddy Holly story. I knew Gary Busey was going to come up. You're obsessed with Gary Busey. I find funny as we were getting ready for this because most of the people know Buddy Holly was in a band. Yay. And he... The Crickets. You yeah, could hear them. They made noise. Can people up at night. I'm going, not going to get into all that. What I want to talk about is the director, Steve Rash. Gentlemen, do you know what the director, Steve Rash, went on to do? That was his first movie. The next was Under the Rainbow. If you've never heard of it, that's because it's a movie about the making of The Wizard of Oz with all the munchkins and Chevy Chase. It's unwatchable. Can't Buy Me Love, Son-in-Law, 
some of the Bring It On sequels. How did we get such a good movie right out of the gate with him? He needed it. I guess. He had to prove himself. I guess. I don't know. But that is Gary Busey's greatest, well, second greatest role. We can never forget about Silver Bullet. Uh, I'm going to talk about CB4. It's another and, trash film. Yeah, it is. And Actually, I, I, I story is not a trash film. Sorry. I did this, and I did this because of the fact that uh, we had a we had a task assigned to us by both Glenn and Ben, uh, and the director of that movie, Tamara Davis, also directed CB4. I don't want to spoil what Glenn. I don't know if Glenn and Ben's uh, secret project is going to be out by the time we this airs. So I'm 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 doing a you know a, a tease. But no, uh, CB4, Chris Rock. You usually, usually undo your shirt slowly when you're teaching. Yes. Uh, Chris Rock, Alan Payne, and Deezer D. Deezer D. Um, they, they form this rap. They're, they're not gangsters. They're these, these, these middle-class African-American gentlemen who steal the persona of a, a, a drug dealer in jail to form a group called CB4. It's kind of like uh, Spinal Tap if Spinal Tap wasn't funny. It star- also stars Chris Elliott, Phil Hartman, uh, Charlie Murphy. The list goes on and on. There's so many great stars in this movie that in the movie just didn't click. Um, but yeah, it, and it starts off as a, as a as a documentary like Spinal Tap, and then suddenly it just veers off to the right and t- does something else completely different. There are moments in it that are enjoyable, such as the Big Biscuit. I love that. I love any scenes where they have a Big Biscuit in front of them and they're talking about the band. I just love it. It's not the most perfect. It's not a perfect film at all, but I wanted to mention it. And because I, and I, I was going to pick, this was going to be my pick, but I knew Glenn would automatically say that's not a band movie. It's only a singer movie. I almost brought up rock and roll mom with Diane Cannon. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be the, the most average out of all of you all. My favorite films of all time. It's going to be the blues brothers. They're on a mission from God. That, that they don't get the band together till the end of the movie, so it doesn't count. Oh yeah, no, what, no, no, no! Yeah. Technically, what is a band? Is two people could be a band? Well, actually, they get it together about halfway. That's when they yeah, end. yeah. Still doesn't count because I don't like James. Yeah. By the I way, think, though, I don't I, think I'm related and not about a band, but about some people that really support a uh, several bands. And if you've never seen it, you need to. I also wanted to just throw out it's a documentary. It might get loud with The Edge, Jimmy Page, and Jack White talking about electric guitars, playing electric guitars, and when they all, in the end, basically do a jam session in that documentary. If you've never seen it, it's a fascinating documentary from 2008. Thank uh, you for not talking about the Blues Brothers. Does nobody not know the Blues Brothers? They're on a mission from God. It is the most holy of band movies of all time. It's it's officially sanctioned by the Catholic Church. I gave I you a lead way to, to take your minute to talk about Diane Cannon and Rock and Roll Mom, and you blew it. No, no, I did not. Because because Blues Brothers, the, the Mr. Blues bro- let me let me let me get us follows. Saxophone. Let me get us hate follows. Blues Brothers is the greatest band movie of all time. Screw you, Spinal Tap. You're not a real band. I looked it up. Is that, well, actually, is that they enough to get us, can't pay their ins- play their yeah. Is that is that enough to get us hate hate? Blacks? Big bottoms. You want them. My baby's got them. That's the spinal type lyric. All right. This has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Where's the stop button? Thank you, Boneheads. Uh, yes, don't forget to tune into the Bonehead Weekly podcast. They come to you from Kentucky all the way across the other side of the world. Uh, you can find their podcast pretty much everywhere you find podcasts. They even have a YouTube video version of their show. And before that, of course, was my chat with Alex Proyas. The interesting thing is when I recorded that chat with him, since then, um, Alex 
said somewhere, I think, on his Facebook page that Kiefer Sutherland is interested in coming back for Dark City. And in that conversation, you mentioned that he's trying to get a Dark City TV show off the ground. Oh. And um, don't act so surprised. You just heard it yourself. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Who cares about Kiefer Sutherland? What's Rufus Sewell doing? <laughs> Who is he again? <laughs> he's, he's, the, he's, he's evil Jude Law. That's who he is. <laughs> but what I did also see um, only the other day is that uh, Alex said something into the effect of Khan is on at the moment and there's a big announcement to come. And my suspicion is it's going to be Dark City related. So, mm. yeah, Very nice. Keep uh, Keep your... Keep your I like how you say that too, like like you're like having chats with him and it's no, not just no. on his Facebook page. No, <laughs> it is. It's totally public. It's, it's like if you like his page, it's out there. It's like. out there. Yeah, like, no, he said the other day, like we were chatting <laughs> and I said to him, Alex, when are you going to do something about Dark City? So he said to me, just keep your ears peered to the, to the car and grapevine because this shit's it's coming. It's Look, coming, mate. Yeah. Watch your DMs, is yeah. what he said. He's going to slide right Glenn, in. My best mate, Glenn. <laughs> I tell you, but you can't keep your mouth shut on that podcast of yours. <laughs> so you're just going to have to wait for the announcement like everyone else. Do you know what he did say to me? He said to me, he goes, this is really short. I'm going to try and cram it all in. I hope that's okay. I'm like, that's all I ask. <laughs> I love it like when you tell them, like when you prep a guest for the yeah. show and you're like, you say, oh, look, it's only going to be like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. And you do it because you think they don't want to spend any yeah. more. They want to spend the least amount you're of time gonna, talking to You're going to catch possible. more people with yeah. that net. And then yeah. they're like, oh, then you know, we have a couple that are like, oh. Well, well that's like for, Brian Yasner is like yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't give us a choice because I said, look, it's only going to be a 20 minute thing. You know, it's a part of the show. And he goes, we'll just talk until I'm done. And yeah. you can you can <laughs> fit that down into your show. I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> I don't want to be, I don't want to be, uh, Constrained by any time limit. So that was that was an hour and a half of yeah. our time. But hey, it was a good time. It was a good time. It's one of my favourite um, interviews that we've done. So, yeah, we got to sing about the shunting. Alrighty, so oh, I can't I can't go from shunting to this. Oh, my first recommendation, I think Velvet Goldmine deserves a revisit from 1998. This is a movie that had a massive impact on my life when it got released. Uh, it was directed by Todd Haynes, who's a kind of a I think he's a bit of a product. Uh, Productive, a provocative <laughs> filmmaker. Productive. Well, that's what I. That's how I blend the words. I haven't got time for two <laughs> words. I prefer one. So for, he's a provocative filmmaker. <laughs> and Velvet Goldmine is essentially a fictionalized story of David Bowie's rise to fame, um, told almost like a rock opera. Uh, Jonathan Rhys Myers plays a guy called David Slade, who is the Bowie character. Ewan McGregor plays Kurt Wilde, um, who's sort of an Iggy Pop character, I guess. But then. They bang in it, don't they? They do bang in it. But ultimately, it's more of an amalgamation. Those two are the main inspirations, but you've got people like Lou Reed and Brian Ferry and, um, was it Mark Boland? Is he the T-Rex guy, I think? Yeah, he's yeah. incorporated into the whole personification. But what a supporting cast. Tony Collette, this was maybe her third or fourth American film, but she mm. still wasn't. Like, I think Sixth Sense is the one that landed her in Hollywood properly. Yeah. Uh, she wasn't quite there yet. Christian Bale as well. Like, hadn't, I think Shaft was the one that put him in Hollywood. Like, as a, like, don't go back to fucking Empire of the Sun. Like, come on, people <laughs> forgot who he was. But I think it was American Psycho, not Shaft. Really? That, that made Okay, him... no, I'm happy to go with that. In my uh, mind, like, I, I don't know if anyone, anyone, no one watched Shaft and went, you know, 
that guy's going to go far. <laughs> you know for what? Anyone in Shaft. I did. Like, so when I saw Shaft for the first time, the one thing that stuck with me the whole time is, fuck, Christian Bale is a good actor because he played like a fucking white supremacist almost in that film, right? Yeah. And in well, my mind, I'm like, this guy is like the stuff of Hollywood legend. Yeah. I guess I think differently to you. <laughs> you, put, you, put more thought, you put more thought into Shaft than even the filmmakers <laughs> put into Shaft. Yeah. Though the sequel is excellent. Yeah, I know. Totally. The son of Shaft. Um, Eddie Izzard is also in it. Emily Wolf, Michael Feast. Anyway, the crux of the narrative, though. Um, Michael Feast. Yeah, Michael Feast. He's the the guy that plays the old the old queer with the smoke. Have you seen the film? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who Michael Feast is. Oh, okay. He plays oh, he plays a general in some other film, like a like a military. British military. Anyway, look him up. That's a, that's a job for you. And you've, you've got your phone there. But what I love about the, the film is the crux of the narrative is Christian Bale's character is a, a reporter and he's been assigned the task of uh, investigating where is Brian Slade now. And it's an assignment he doesn't want because Slade's music signals and triggers him um, to a point in his life that he'd rather forget because it was his own self-discovery and Brian Slade led him to that. And so he didn't want to go back into that dark place, but he's forced to. And the movie's like a a story of self-discovery as well. Mm. And it's all mostly told in flashbacks as he investigates. But what I love most about this film is the music is phenomenal. It's, It's a mix of original songs and covers. And they're all recorded in a way, the covers are recorded in a way that they feel original. Like they kind of don't oh, sound okay. like the, the originals Yeah. and they kind of feel fresh. So oh, okay. um, Jonathan cool. Rhys-Meyers delivers them in a Bowie way and every time he sings one, it's to like a music video type of mm. scene. Oh. Uh, it's just, it's beautiful. What always annoyed me about this one, Ben, which I'm sure you know about, is when it had its DVD release in Australia and subsequent releases, it's only ever been in pan and scan. Like it's never been... A full like a, a widescreen presentation, which I think the the, the 4K or the Blu-ray is now, but DVD I never had that opportunity. Well, like I said before, I haven't seen it, so no, I, haven't, but, I, haven't, but, I haven't seen it to see it in 4K. But you know enough about releases, I thought you so might know. I didn't know that it was in pan and scan. No, my yeah. reasons for I don't know why I didn't watch it. Yeah, I think I just I think it's I, up no, actually it's because of Jonathan Rhys Meyers. Yeah, right. Who I've always hated. Yeah. Even, like I love Bennett like Beckham, but I'm just like. Oh, Guy. This yeah, <laughs> uh, this to me was like his defining moment. This is the one that That's made cool. I him. I think we had this discussion when you did. Um, oh, I did the survivor. The survivors. And yeah. I was like, oh, come on, like that's the guy. He's the one that survives. <laughs> <laughs> and he, Julian Sands is his dad. Well, Julian sense. Sands is my dad. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. So they look alike. But yeah, look, Valvel Goldmine. I highly recommend it. It's a real cult kind of film. Mm. If you like glitter and glam, and you know platform boots and all that kind of cool stuff, <laughs> which I do in I movies. Say, are you talking about kinky boots? Or are you talking about Velvet This Goldmine? movie is like if you cross kinky boots with Hedwig and the Angry Inch, you get Velvet Goldmine. <laughs> so there we go. That's my first recommendation. Go forth and track us down. Um, Sam, what have you got <laughs> next? And this is the one we've all been waiting yeah. for. <laughs> oh, I feel stupid. Um, well, come to our world. Is it the rubber band movie? Is that no. what it is? Fucking <laughs> hell. Written by Aaron Sorkin? So I <laughs> About was, the invention of rubber bands? I was going to... I'm just going to ignore you. <laughs> <laughs> like you're hiding your notebook from it. No. You're like, like I'm going to show you what it is. I, well, okay. I was going to do this other film called Control. Yeah. I haven't seen Control. It's a great film. Um, But I believe it's on like SBS or something. Um, or IBU. Or IBU. Like band, Joy Division, Joy and, Division. And, and yeah, 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 I was going to do that one, but again, it looks sad, and I didn't <laughs> want to do it this week. So um, 
I, I was going to do Scott Pilgrim. And because there's a band, yeah, in it, and then, um, and then I, <laughs> and then I didn't because I put on Wayne's World, and I was like, oh, Wayne's World has a band in it, and then it's about a concert. Well, they they wannabes. Yeah, uh, yeah they see but Alice it's yeah. so like it's pushing it a bit. It, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a, a great film. It's, it's a, a great a, film. Yeah, it's exactly. a band in it. And yeah. Wayne's World's been on my mind lately because I've been watching the the Penteverett, the show yes, that Michael Mai does, and to I've been telling it. everyone this is the best thing Michael Mai has done since Wayne's World, oh, which okay. I, I actually think it is. Yeah. And well, you're obviously discarding View from the Top, which I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> and Mystery Alaska. Yeah. And all <laughs> I I actually wrote down Studio that. Fifty Four. I watched Mystery Alaska not that long ago and I loved it. Excellent. And then, but my favourite film, my favourite Mike Myers film is So I Married an Axe Murderer. That's my Which is what the Pentaverate is a spin-off of. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Really? Because they talk about the Pentaverate in that. The, da- the oh, dad has all these conspiracy theories. Yeah. And that is what they've um, the, so they based funny. the show on. Yeah. I had no idea. It didn't even click for me. If you go to IMDb, it says Pentaverate created by Mike Myers yeah. based on So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, it's on my watch list. Also I, where Fat Bastard it. came from. Yeah, mm. yeah. I love the way you're dancing around. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, recommendations. This is just a Mike Myers Okay, let's go with that. Can we tie him into bands? Other than, well, I mean, we're not worthy. He's, he's always in the in Ming a, Tees. <laughs> he's in, he's the in Ming a band tees. <laughs> with, with uh, Susanna, Susanna Hoss from the bank. That is right. See, oh, there you go. Well there done. There you go. Yeah. Very clever of you, Sam. Thank you. I, it was completely on purpose. I, I didn't just put on Wayne's World because I wanted to watch it. It's funny. Like, if you talk about movies that define the 90s, that's got to be top five at, yeah. at least. Is yeah. it Wayne's World? No, it's Wayne's World 2. That's the one where they, they put on Woodstock, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, oh, Wainstock. yeah. Wainstock. Wainstock. And you've got Chris Farley as the roadie. Yeah. Oh, and the roadie guy, the British guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably why Keith cannot be killed by conventional weapons. <laughs> like he's playing the same character he played in uh, in With Mill and I. He's great. The funny thing is, is that I know that guy most from he's in the Bill. Yeah, in yeah. The yeah. Early seasons of the Bill, but he's oh, yeah. the exact opposite. He's like, yeah, he's like a stickler kind of character, like a real hard ass. Yeah. You're like, oh no, he's uh, hanging upside down in, in, in closets. <laughs> This is just me saying everyone should watch the Pentaveret because it's that yeah. good. But uh, everyone, and Wayne's World too. one and two, and with Mill and I. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne's World two is underrated. Like a lot of people say, oh, it's not as good as the first one. I've watched it more than the first one. It mm. is. Yeah, I agree. Don't you think the uh, yeah. the Indian's bottom was unnecessary? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are we going to tie him with a band movie? So he has a guitar on the couch. Yeah. yeah, they play that. Yeah. He does, yeah. There's like, you know, that when they're driving, they're always listening to music. Well, let's face Every it, yeah. he like, has a guitar and Garth has drumsticks. No, Tia, yeah, and he's good uh, What's drumsticks. her name? Has a band in it. It plays in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe like, yeah. yeah, but it's just uh, very, it's a very Tia, small Tia part of it. No, no. Tia Carrera. No, yeah, Carrera. I said Carini's. No, Carrera. Tia Maria. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember the Cantonese he used to talk to her in? Yeah. Zang. <laughs> yeah. And that's the only word you can say on the show? Yeah. Because it's the only one you can get right. The only one I remember. <laughs> and who was his dad in that? Or her dad? James Hong. That's right. Lara Flynn Boyle's the ex-girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God, with the yeah. neck brace. Oh, hang on, that's in the, that's in the <laughs> no, first one. First one. Yeah, because uh, yeah, the first one, Rob Lowe is the villain. Yeah. <laughs> and he's in the Pentaverate too. And he's in the Pentaverate. <laughs> and in the second one, it's Christopher Walken. He's not. But Jeremy Irons no, is. still time. Yeah. <laughs> still time. <laughs> all right. Well, well done, Sam. It's, um, it's, it's a failure and a success all yeah. in one. <laughs> and I like it. 
Uh, how That's about it? It should be the motto of our show. <laughs> <laughs> Good Movie Monday. It's a failure and a success all at the same time. Good Movie Monday is made possible with the support of people like Viewlorium. Viewlorium is a streaming platform for rare and obscure movies, and it's absolutely free. They also have a catalogue full of kids' flicks, classic movies, foreign cinema, and more. Visit Viewlorium.com today to see what it's all about. I do hope some people that listen to the show hop over and... <laughs> you just end it there. I do hope... <laughs> I do hope some people listen to the show. <laughs> I do hope some of them go across and you know check out View Lorium. Even if out of curiosity, we certainly do appreciate their support. Um, and if we can drive some traffic back to them, that would be good. So, hey, just while you're listening to this right now, just go to viewlorium.com, at least hit up their website for two seconds. So at least You can do got, it on your phone. Yeah, they've got an app as well. Not only the website, but they've got an app. And um, they've got a couple of band movies in there. Dead Time was a band movie, that horror film. That's a good one. They have one called McCartney's Jeans. Now, I don't know what that's about, but if it's about Paul McCartney's jeans, <laughs> I'm, I'm down. <laughs> Could you imagine how valuable those skitties would be? Oh, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> why have they? Why is it? You always got to ask yourself why? Why is the skid mark so powerful that it's gone through the underpants onto the jeans? De- it, the skiddy should never touch the denim. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And it's like it's a super powerful. It's a powerful skiddy. Or, like, <laughs> or you. <laughs> All right. So. Um, you do the next recommendation. I'll do the second one, and then I'll bring the I'll bring the show home. All right, I am going to talk about a fantastic movie. I saw it at MIFF for the first time, and it absolutely blew me away. Oh, no. I was going to talk oh. about it last week oh, no. on the Minimalist. <gasps> oh no! Uh, I don't know what you're thinking. It is. It could be the one I've got. No, it's not. Okay, I don't think so. <laughs> How do you know? Well, you planned it because you planned the song, and you didn't know what I was talking about. So oh, it's of, not course, of course, yeah. of course, of <laughs> course. You know, well, you know, never I'm mind. Me. I'm not the only one with. I'm not the, I'm not the only one with early onset Alzheimer's. Uh, uh, it absolutely blew me away. It's a fantastic film. Uh, it's Japanese. It's by this guy, uh, uh, Nobuhiro Yamashita. The only way you can get those names right is if you do them fast. You got to do them as fast as you can. <laughs> you cough them out. Although the, in the COVID times, people just look at you like you've killed them. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so this movie, uh, Linda, Linda, Linda is the name of the film. It's a, it's this awesome, uh, it's a high school, it's a high school band movie. These, these uh, four girls or five girls are planning to perform uh, several songs at their end of year uh, school. Uh, I don't know what it is, like a formal dance concert. Like yeah. it's a event. Yeah, school concert kind yeah. of thing at, at the end of, at the end of the kind of year. Uh, they, they, on Wikipedia, they call it a holy festival. Holy festival. I don't know what the hell that means. No. Uh, but the lead guitarist in the band uh, busts her hand and can't perform. So then, for some reason, they kick out the lead singer, who doesn't want to play. Who? Uh, no, hang on. No, they don't. They, they, the keyboardist decides that she's going to play guitar. She does not play guitar, so she has to learn the guitar. Uh, before they're going to throw out their set list and they're going to do covers of this uh, the band called the Blue Hearts songs and the Blue Hearts were like a seventies a Japanese seventies punk band. Uh, when the lead singer hears this, she quits, doesn't want to perform in the band anymore. So they the, they literally pick the first girl that's walking past <laughs> to be the new lead singer of the band, 
and it happens to be a son who is a she's a Korean exchange student who doesn't really speak much Japanese at all. So she not only has to learn <laughs> Japanese in the two weeks or three weeks before the concert, she also has to learn these three Blue Heart songs. <laughs> and it is, but it is totally awesome. the The movie was a was a was a hit in in Japan and Korea. And the band that the girls play in uh, are called uh, Paranmam, mm-hmm. which in Korean is the Blue Hearts. Yeah. <laughs> And they released they released like a CD single with three songs that they perform in the film plus another three that they uh, chucked on there for good measure and they toured around and everything it Amazing. was like a big hit. The girls have gone on to do stuff. Bay Bay Don Duna who plays the um, Korean exchange student she was in Sympathy for Mr Vengeance, The Host, Air Doll. I don't know if you remember that one, but then she transitioned to and she was in um, Cloud Atlas and Jupiter Ascending. I don't remember who she was in Jupiter Ascending, but. Mm. I don't even remember much about that film except that it was shit and Channing Tatum was a dog. Was, he was a dog. I was the only person that really enjoyed that movie. I don't know yeah. why. I, I did. I, I've watched it a few times. It's like they spent That's that so $20 funny. billion dollars just for you. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes exactly. it's, a, it's a space opera. A couple, I think uh, AK Mita, who plays the drummer in the band, she was in Battle Royale. Uh, Kei Tachibana was... Uh, in Death Note, and she's the and she's the the kind of leader of the band. Um, it's a yeah, look, it's just really fantastic. It came out on DVD in the US. They released it on DVD. I don't know if it's come out anywhere else. I don't know if it's on any streaming platform. Yeah, but that DVD is still around. Highly, it's, it's a mission for people. It's a mission. You should find yeah. it. But it is just this kind of super like heartwarming kind of you know girls getting together to do this thing. Yep. It's just a really great kind of minimalist. Uh, there we know, go, minimalist. M- minimalist. Yeah. <laughs> it was your choice for it last week. It was my choice show. last week, and it was it was great that I could recycle it for this week. Less work. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm all about less work. Just ask anyone I work what with. What year was that? Two thousand and five. Okay, so I was off because mine comes from two thousand fourteen. Okay. Way off. Uh, <laughs> there was a movie then called Frank. Have you seen this? It's my second recommendation, and this is a doozy. Uh, it stars um, Donald Gleeson. Now, I didn't know how to pronounce his name. Domhall. Domhall. I think it's Donal because I looked it up and watched some interviews. I had to get the pronunciation right because it yeah. doesn't look what it is. You know? It's like they spell it's like it Gaelic weird. names. Yeah, yeah, they spell yeah. it weird like, like Seoban. Co- Domhall is how it's spelt, right? <laughs> yeah. Except when I was looking it up, apparently it's Donal. Donal. Yeah. Donal. So anyway, Gleason. <laughs> Maggie Gyllenhaal and... An incredible faceless performance from Michael Fassbender. Or is it? You don't see his penis, this so is... you don't know if it's him. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, this is the, the fascination for me is the fact that he is in the film and you never, ever get to see his face. And it tells the story of a down-on-his-luck musician played by Gleason. I just think they really fucked over some, like, horrendously ugly actor who could have played that role. Like, talk <laughs> about appropriation. Yeah. Let me explain it first. Um, and then this musician is asked by a guy called Frank, to join his indie rock pop band. Uh, no one knows what Frank looks like because he wears this huge paper mache head. It's kind of like if you, to describe, it's a bit like Stewie from The Family Guy. It's that shape. Yeah. Um, it looks giant, like a basketball mascot. Yeah, giant, <laughs> giant head. Um, but Frank is a legitimately talented and cool kind of, you know, pop star, um, but he is not interested in fame or the stuff that comes with it. Until a point, you know, like he, he just wants to make music, tour the road. And because he's so introverted and has all these social anxieties and whatnot, he hides behind this mask. But they do travel he's to... He's like Sia, but she hides behind her Kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she started a career not hiding behind and she just, you know, 
the anxiety came with Grew the into yeah. it, came yeah. with the fame. But um, they travel to Ireland and they spend a year in a cabin to write their album, and that's where the film kind of unravels and all the personal stuff comes out. And it's kind of a case too of um, everyone gets pretentious around this guy. Like it's really weird. Like they idolize him like he's a god, and it's simply just because he's so mysterious. But what I love about it is they get the opportunity to play a massive music festival. And suddenly the band don't really want to do it because they're a little bit skittish. But then Frank is the one that steps up and goes, fuck no, like now, now's the time. Now I want my fame. It's a weird movie. Have you seen it? I haven't. I know the poster. I've seen like the, the front cover. I've seen what, like the, yeah. the head thing. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen it. No. It's an oddity and it probably could go in that minimalist kind of bracket as well because yeah. it was only made for $1 million and that really yeah. blows my mind they because... spent all of that on the head. <laughs> well, I'm thinking like, I mean, Obviously, the actors had to be in it for the love of the project because you couldn't afford all three of them in a $1 million yeah, movie yeah. together. Like Maggie Gyllenhaal was fairly high profile at that She'd point in time. already done yeah. Secretary. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And um, and Fassbender was, I think, pretty established too. I mean, enough to yeah. have a bit of a price. I was gonna say, yeah, he hadn't got his cock out yet. But he was, but, yeah. but apparently, he spearheaded this film. Like he was they, the one, Once oh, everyone saw okay. that, his price went through the roof. Apparently, he was the driving force behind it. He's the one that really yeah. wanted to produce it and make it and whatnot. So anyway, that's my recommendation. Frank is a really hard one to, to describe because it is so weird. It's a weird mm. film. And one that is kind of similar to it. Have you seen Harmony Corinne's Mr. Lonely? The one about no. the Michael Jackson impersonators. Oh, no. That's a similar... It's about a guy that impersonates Michael Jackson and he goes to a commune where everyone there is an impersonator of another oh. artist. And so you've got, you know, your Sammy Davis Jr. there and like, <laughs> yeah, it's a <laughs> weird funny. movie, but geez, it's good. It's really good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind have seen, like, seeing this uh, Frank, but directed by Harmony Corrine. <laughs> That'd be an interesting film. Speaking of minimalist films again, like, yeah. you know, we talked about him last week. That, that's the only time he'll ever get two mentions in a row, I think. Yeah. <laughs> So there we go. That's my recommendation. I do not know where you can find it, but I recommend everyone try to look, look for it. I'm sure there's like... It, it definitely got a release every year. Oh, it did. And uh, so if not, just secondhand eBay, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. So there we go, Ben. Before we wrap this sucker up, you and I saw Top Gun last week. Bloody oath we did. <laughs> I'm going to... like. Well, there will be a video reaction of this. <laughs> Ben's doing things that are visual and not audio. <laughs> and... We will record a, a reaction video to this, which you can watch this week. But I can say without a doubt, irrefutably, this is my favourite film of the year thus far. Uh, I've, I've thought about it for a few to- a few days uh, and it's, it blew my fucking mind. I had a great time, but I don't think it's as good as a Nicolas Cage movie where he makes out with himself. Yeah. <laughs> this does trump that for me, to be honest uh, with you. Uh, Tom Cruise does not utter the line, Tom Cruise gives good smooches <laughs> in this film. <laughs> And he should, because like according to Jennifer Connelly's face, he does give good smooches. <laughs> so what I will say is that, like, for anyone that has been sceptical or cynical about this sequel that's come, you know, over thirty years later or whatever, like, get over it. It's good. It is just good. It's a lot of fun. Yep. Hey Sam, it's been great having you back on the desk. Thank you for I'm looking forward to having you back again. Mm. Um, you are going to join us for Tuesday night's Lucky Dip video. Yep. Which also happens to be in a few minutes' time for us yep. in real time. <laughs> Wait, you've just, you just <laughs> shattered the window. Yeah, totally. <laughs> revealed, <laughs> revealed how the sausage is made. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't uh, bail on us this week, Ben. It's close, mate. I really need to <laughs> take this shit. <laughs> and you know, the rule is Ben only shits at home. He's shit break from, yeah. <laughs> from American Pie. <laughs> But on the plus side, that does mean I get to 
to bang uh, Stifler's mum. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to everybody for after, listening. I after hope I've gone home to have my shit. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed the show. It's um, it's it's been it's borderline being a schmozzle and uh, you know, <laughs> and a masterpiece. <laughs> what are we going to listen to on the way out? Uh, we're going to listen to Perenmalm's cover of the Blue Heart classic, Linda Linda. Linda. Very nice. <laughs> Where's the third Linda? It's, uh, well, in the song title is only Linda Linda. The movie title is Linda Linda Linda. Because the way, the, the first part of the chorus is Linda Linda, <laughs> and the second part of the chorus is Linda Linda Linda. I wish so I'd they've, never asked. So that you'll see when you listen to the song. And it, it starts off, I just want to warn people. It starts off slow, but when it hits, it fucking hits. So do not just stop listening to the show because we stopped talking and that's the only reason. I mean, who fucking, who listens to this show for us talking? Well, no one. They listen to it for the songs that we play in between us talking. It's time to go. Uh, just stick around for the song. It's good. We might check in with Jared again just after it for a special bonus treat. Oh